We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. &K. Sam, thanks for coming on today. We're talking yeah, about absolutely. a super fun topic, credit, something everybody loves. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into it, can you just tell us a little bit about your company and who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name's Sam Parker, uh, originally from Iowa, um, out here in Gilbert, Arizona now, and fell into credit repair when I was 19 years old. And, you know, I can tell you the story, but it's a long one. Uh, and anyway, what we've done though with my credit guy is we really wanted to focus on getting people ready for home ownership. There's so many credit repair companies out there that say, you know, come use us or send us your clients. But then the question is, are you really getting them ready, home ownership ready, loan approval ready? And the answer is almost always no. And not only is it no, but there's so many horror stories, so many stories of black holes out there that we wanted to just create that consistent feeling, that consistent process that when somebody comes to us, as long as they do what we ask them to do and let us do our job that they would get back to the closing table. So that's what we went and built with my credit guy is just that system that purely runs alongside the mortgage and real estate industry and helps people achieve that cornerstone of the American dream, which is home ownership. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it is true. Um, we were using a different guy and I was searching around for a new credit company and, um, I'm using uh, the software I use where my website is. They're kind of working with you. So I ended up looking you guys up and I was like, okay, I can just tell. I talked to, uh, I think, Ashley and yep. I could tell you guys have it down and you know what you're doing. But I do agree. I think a lot of consumers, they don't understand credit. They don't know where to go. They go to the internet. They start paying money. They don't understand why they're getting results. If they're getting results, I feel like they don't even understand like my next question is is like when you think of a credit score or credit like what is your definition of like a credit score and like how do people get a credit score yeah so at the end of the day for a consumer to understand it i tell people it's your financial resume you have to understand that credit in general is a risk-based model and what it's set up for is for a bank to determine or a financial entity to determine how likely you are to go delinquent in the next 24 months so it's not some sunshine and roses system where you get an automatic a and you just get to keep it you really do have to play by the rules of the game of the people that you're asking for 300 or $500,000 from they want to see that you can go out take risks manage those risks and that you would do the same with their money if you gave it to them. So when I try to tell people what it is, it is a financial resume and you got to keep in mind that it's a risk-based system that is skewed not for the consumer, but for the banks to determine how likely you are to not give them their money back. Yeah, it's funny. I always tell people, um, simplify, say my definition of a credit score is basically you get a score based on how you manage your liabilities that are on your credit. So are you keeping the revolving counts at a certain level? Or are they maxed out? Or if you've right. got a collection, you missed a payment. I said, so I always say it's like a relationship. You know, if you had the law, the newer relationships aren't as like solid, so you're not going to get that much out of them. But if you've had a credit card for 15 years or something and you miss a payment, you're going to really feel it because it's been a long-term relationship. So 
and some people like cancel credit cards. You're like, no, what are you doing? So that's one thing I was going to ask you is, um, in regards to short term, long term, I think a lot of people are like, you know, I'm going to get that new credit card. And how long do you think it takes for somebody when they get a credit card, they get a mortgage, they get a car, whatever it is, what is the typical time where you're really going to start seeing the benefit to your score? Yeah, so with a normal credit card, they say it's anywhere from three to six months of reporting cycles before it truly helps or hits your credit. I don't think it takes that long. I think you're looking at a month, maybe two months from the time that you get that. We actually, for the people that are in the trenches building credit, um, we have a secured credit card. Uh, it's just a $200 secure credit card reports to all three bureaus. That thing will hit the report in two to three weeks. So, yeah. you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. Now on the flip side of that, okay, because when you add a credit card, as long as it's not maxed out, you're going to typically be helping your credit, right? Now on the flip side of that, that people need to understand is when they open up an installment loan and they add a debt load, whether that's a car or a, a home, even you're going to see an immediate decrease in credit because you're adding that debt load. The credit scoring algorithm goes, Oh my God, because it's a new account. Um, but then the payment history, as you make on time payments for the next three to six months, you'll get all those payments back and then more. So we're typically seeing the effects of something usually within 30 max 60 days, the full effects though of a positive account, you're usually waiting, you know, three to five months before you're getting just the, the absolute full effect of it. Okay, cool. And so you mentioned a prepaid credit card because obviously a lot of people, they have terrible credit and they're trying to establish credit. So is that kind of a route that you're going now is the prepaid and they go on the credit? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, again, going back to that financial resume, nobody wants to have to do that first job for eight or 10 bucks an hour. But yeah. when you're applying for the $15 an hour job, I want to see that you did it and that you were willing to work your way up, right? So it's the same thing with a credit card. Like just start small. Don't get too big for your britches. There's a reason and sorry if I'm the bad guy, but there's a reason that you only qualify for a $200 secured card right now. It's because you got to build some trust. So show them that you can do your thing, make your payments on time. And then guess what? Your score goes up. They see that payment history. They approve you for a normal credit card and then you can work up from there. But yes, I love the, the earn it, you know, kind of standpoint, like, like just don't try to skip steps, like just build it the right way. And then that way, not only will you qualify for this home loan, but then when it's time to refi, when it's time to do a move up purchase, you hold your head up high and you make that call and you say, Hey guys, guess what? Not, Oh my God, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, we're expecting another kid sort of thing, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's a good point. Um, what do you, I mean, obviously I think with the, environment we're in right now we're both in lending so i do residential crystal does commercial and i think since COVID hit especially for like fanny freddie nat is they've definitely tightened the reins a little bit but also i've noticed that if your credit's really poor some lenders don't even want to touch you or they're really penalizing you so i mean how important when you're dealing with first-time home buyers and the people that are coming to you, how important is it really for credit? I mean, I don't think people understand like the difference of payments and how much money it's going to cost them over time from having a decent credit score to like a great credit score. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's, do you want a home loan for your family or not type situation, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to be heartless with it, but that really is the situation. And it, you know, people will make sure, Oh, I got a good job. Oh, I got my down payment but my credit's not in order. Well, that's, I mean, that's 50% of it right there, guys. Like it, there's no, 
it, it just doesn't matter. It's just a black and white system where it's, do you have good enough credit or not? Right. And, and the system is set up to, it doesn't care how old you are, who you are. If your dad was rich, if your mom was poor, it doesn't, it, it doesn't take, it just looks at numbers and behavior. Right. And so the cool thing is that the system is set up, you know, in a way where whether you're making $40,000 a year or whether you're making a million dollars a year, as long as you manage your credit and your expenses correctly, it's all set up on ratios and percentages. So it can be a very powerful tool if people realize and acknowledge how powerful it is, but it's, I mean, it's everything. And if you look at, you know, first of all, if you're, if your credit's too low, you're not going to qualify at all. So then you're going to be paying somebody else's mortgage for the next 12 months minimum. That's all money that you never get back. Right. So there's that cost. But if you're down in even that lower category and you're paying, you know, PMI or you could have qualified for conventional, um, you know, and, and, and I don't want to get outside of my lane because we want people to get, you know, they can always improve and refinance as they go. But I mean, you're looking at people don't understand. You're talking about tens of thousands of dollars if not in some cases more, depending on the, the, the amount of the home loan. So it's not to spend 500 bucks and fix up your credit is a very small price to pay. You'll probably make that back in a month or two of not only payments, but, but, but PMI. And one of the things that we run into too sometimes is just people who have a lack of credit. So what are some things you can do? I mean, I, it's, it's for me, I've seen both. I've seen the people who are like, you know, I pay cash for everything. I don't need credit until they do. And then, or people who are maybe just young and they never did start that journey. They don't know. They're like, how do I get credit since I don't have it? Nobody wants to give me credit. I mean, how long does it take to start building credit? And what would you suggest for that person who just has a lack of? Yeah. Great question. Um, and we run into that, like where I'm from originally, Iowa, you run into that where like millionaire farmers are coming in like, <laughs> I don't need credit cards because I don't need them. And it's like, yeah. well, now you need someone else's money though. And they want to see this, you know? And so I've seen that frustration all over the place. What I would normally do, if it's like a do or die, I need this financing in the next 30, 60 days. I send everybody to that $200 credit card because I know it's going to hit credit in two to three weeks. That thing works like it works, like it works. Now, if they're, if you're talking about long-term, Hey, I got six months, I got 12 months, but I just want to build credit. I want them to have a well-rounded credit profile. And so does the credit scoring algorithm, uh, you know, proper mix of credit makes up 10% of your credit score. So they want to see like, it's again, it's like a resume or it's like a report card. They don't care that you just did good in math. If you failed English, you know what I mean? So they, they want to see you with a revolving trade line, which is a credit card. So that credit builder card would satisfy that requirement. I usually like to see two credit cards um, as well. You could choose a different credit card or credit builder does allow them to stack so they can literally get a credit card. It's approved, go back in get another credit card. They just have to remember and be disciplined that it's two different bills. And then ideally they want to see an installment loan too. Most of us have that with student loans anyway, you know, that, that's a, that's a gift that, that they gave us, I guess. <laughs> Our credit scoring algorithm is taken care of. Oh, but okay. if, you, yeah, if you don't have it, an auto loan would satisfy that. A mortgage would satisfy that. But the credit scoring algorithm, again, it's, it's risk-based. So it wants to see you. It's like somebody, it's like a scout is sitting on the sidelines and, they're, and, and they want to see you perform different skills and do different risks. And if you're a one trick pony and you're like, I just pay my bills on time, but I don't have any credit cards. They're like, 
this is an exciting, and I don't, I can't see how you act under pressure. So no, I'm not going to give you $500,000. So you got to build that, that well-rounded credit profile. If you're young and your parents will let you jump on to one of their accounts as possibly an authorized user, but we, we really like people to establish their own positive trade lines, build for the future. If somebody's going to be on you know, an auto loan with a parent or something like that. We really want them to be contributing to it, not just a kind of a, a gift from the parent because that just doesn't teach anybody anything. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I was going to throw something in. Um, I was thinking about it, uh, something triggered it. But right now, a lot of people aren't, are, can't pay the mortgage, you know, can't pay the car payment, the credit card. So they're doing, you know, forbearance or, yeah. or a, you know, pay later. I don't know the, all the terminology, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Do you, and I have seen them on, you know, I've seen people go into forbearance, it's on the credit and then they get a letter and it comes back off. Is there any penalty for you doing that? Are you seeing any decline or unless, and if you really miss something, I get it, but not if you're not missing, you're working with the bank. Yeah. So it's just that you got to understand what you're getting into when you go into forbearance, you're, you know, what's, what's being laid out right now or what's been taken advantage of, um, not in a bad way, but what was offered and then taken advantage of by so many was uh, basically a, a three month kind of pause of your mortgage payments, right? During that time, nothing negative is technically happening to you. There's no penalty for doing forbearance. What happens though with the credit scoring algorithm is basically like a bubble is put around that account and it floats up out of the this plus this plus this plus this. And so that positive pay history is floated up out of that algorithm during that 90 days. So you're just not getting the pay history that you've established for that account. So we're usually seeing like a 20, 30 point drop in credit score is what we're typically seeing when that mortgage account is removed because it does carry a lot of weight. But when it comes out of forbearance, as long as they do what's called curing it, which could mean making that lump sum payment. So typically what's going on is that at the end of that three month pause, you owe the three months and the fourth month. So you're making four months of payment or else yeah, and we haven't seen that yet. You know, we're not quite there yet where, where we're seeing how that's going to play out. But what could happen is you could be 30 days late if you can't make that payment, or you could be 90 days late, you know, um, depending on how that plays out. We don't know. We're going to have to wait to see. The other things that are being floated out there is that they would do, once they get to that point, if that borrower cannot make that payment, that they would do a loan modification, that they would spread it out over 12 months, that they would add it onto the back of the loan, that there, there are some other ways to cure it. But what from what I'm seeing, that's all going to be situational at the time, but going into it with the expectation of that balloon payment. But again, we're just a little early to see how some of those play out. But so it's a little scary that unknown. It is. if you're really big about protecting your credit, that's kind of scary to think about. It is. It is. And that's one of those things you want to get out in front of so far and just make sure you have complete understanding that if you are in forbearance right now, get back on the phone with them and say, Hey, listen, I want to make sure what is, what do I have to do to where I would never have a late pay? And they'll tell you, they'll say, as long as you make this payment or as long as you do this, you know, but know it, get it in writing, say it again. That's what I always say to clients is say it again, say to them. So I understand you are telling me that as long as I do this and give them the opportunity to be like, well, no, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm saying, you know, <laughs> you give them, but say it again, say it again, say it until you can get off that phone and go, okay, I asked them three times and I have clear understanding 
write it down, document it, you know, just protect yourself. That's smart. Yeah, no, I think um, I've seen it and I didn't, I didn't even think about it. it could be a credit score, but that's interesting. I think some people are doing it to do it and some people did it and they're making the payments yep. and I'm like, you should get it off of there. Like if you're making the payments, it's cause I mean, I think these, uh, liability companies, right? They have to report. So if they do a mod, they need to report. Cause if you're giving a loan, the underwriters looking at basically yeah. goes by that data. So yep. I'm guessing too, if somebody does a mod in this, it could potentially hurt their score too, right? Or it absolutely could because we, you never know what comes along with the loan mod. You look back to 2008, it wasn't, it, I mean, like 1% of them went seamlessly where late pays weren't added. Um, and there were a lot of situations where, you know, somebody would go into a, try to go into a loan mod and they would be told by the servicer, you're on time. We can't give you this. If you were 60, 90 days late, then you would be eligible. So then you had all these clients setting the stage for a loan mod. Then they would get to that point and the servicer would go, oh, actually in some way or another, that doesn't work. Now these clients are booming forbearance and, and, you know, so it's just something where we got to learn from our past. I'm sure the banking institutions learned as well and they know what happened and they don't want that to happen again, but it did happen. And so we got to protect ourselves and not assume that just because our servicer says, yes, that's no problem, that it's no problem. So you just want to cover yourself with, with writing, with documentation and with questions. And the hard part is, is when this whole thing hit, everybody called their mortgage company directly. And we even called some of our lenders to say, Hey, is this going to affect their credit? And they said, absolutely not. This was right. not their fault. Absolutely not. But then you realize that everybody's just in a rush to say, right. you know what? We're in pandemic mode. We've never hit this before. We'll figure it out later. And you're like, no, no, no. I need to figure out what you're going to do to my credit. What is absolutely not going to affect your credit? What does that mean? How is that exactly going to be reported? Because they could do something that would inadvertently affect the credit. Wouldn't that be yeah. So yeah. yes, absolutely. And, and what we were seeing even was when clients were calling in just to inquire about it, that the, that the servicers were putting the forbearance notation on there, or they were saying uh, loan affected by natural disaster or something like that. And it was doing the same trigger in the credit scoring algorithm and, <laughs> and especially in underwriting where when they were going for underwriting for like active refis, active purchases, that the underwriters were putting full brakes on and saying, absolutely not, this person's in forbearance. The client's like, I am not in forbearance. I called and asked if I needed it, what would that yeah, look like? Perfect. And then yeah. the servicer was automatically doing that, I think for loss mitigation purposes or whatever, kind of get out in front of it, but it was already having that impact on people to where we were having to go back and get that verbiage removed in a very rushed manner. It was almost like internal notes with the lender were getting reported to credit. Exactly. It's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because yeah. I have a client that had that and he's making the payment. He's like, yeah, yeah, they reached out or whatever, but I didn't go in. I'm making my payments. And I'm like, I think now I'm getting it. I'm like, yeah, you probably called them. They stuck it on there. He's okay. made his payments. And he's like, what do you mean it's on there? I'm like, this is credit. He goes, I just talked about it. I'm like, and I, and I think he, it didn't trigger. Now I'm getting it. They probably just threw it on there because it was a conversation. Yep. Absolutely. So I think like you were saying, Crystal, wow. like, you know, it's a lot going on and everybody's overloaded, especially, you know, the servicers and people are just calling and you can't assume, like you said, don't assume, like make sure you know what exactly they're doing with what you're doing. Right. You can damage your credit and they got to call you and then they're in a rush because they, you know, buying a home or something and it's a panic situation. So 
Absolutely. Um, what are what are some of the biggest impacts on your score for a up and you know up and down that you kind of deal with on a daily basis that you see? Yeah. So the biggest hits that we see are late pays. I mean that that is you know your payment history makes up thirty five percent of your your credit score. So those late pays it, it, because a late pay is more than just a late pay. It takes a, a an account that was in good standing that was doing good things for you and it just tarnishes it. Right. So it's not just that immediate you know, negative impact of a late pay, which, and especially people got to understand that the better your credit score is, the more fragile it is. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah. And structurally though, mess it up. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. So, so here's the thing. If you have an 820 credit score and you add a mortgage late, your credit score is probably going to drop by 80 points, you know, depending on your overall makeup, but more than likely 80 points. If I add that same late pay and I'm at a 640, I'm going to drop by 15 points. We already don't trust you. We'll just give you a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's built like that. It's so fragile with those late pays because that, that the payment history that you're building with no late pays is just a, it's a, it's a unicorn, right? And so when you mess it up, you just, you taint it and it's really hard to get back. The other thing that I see people do. So, so again, that's, Make all your payments on time. And a way to do that, guys, it's 2020. There is not a bill that you can't have come out of your bank account automatically. Whether whether it's with the credit card company, like my auto loans are all on auto pay. Um, if I don't have the ability to auto pay, my bank has auto pay where they'll like send an electronic check to them and I don't have to think about it. If you're still in that mindset of like, oh, I put my information on there, it's going to get stolen. Your information's everywhere already, guys. If, if somebody was going to take it, it would have been... My point is it doesn't happen through auto pay, like, you know, not any more than it would through your, your cousin stealing something out of your drawer and stealing your identity. That Or the people that like, literally you could be walking down the street and they have those things that like steal your information through your, you know? So, I mean, somebody wants to get your identity to this state, there's, they're going to get it. Trust me. You, you can be, you know, in the government, they're going to. And the other thing that up. I've seen happen more and more, and I don't know if you've seen this is that the mail is highly unreliable. So now yeah. you can mail something. It could be late. It could get lost. They don't receive it. And then good luck fighting with the lender. It's like, you're going to stay on the phone for an hour or two trying to get it removed. Maybe it, you'll get it. Maybe you won't. Yeah. So I think the best way to verify and have a trail is electronic payment. Yeah. Absolutely. It's immediate gratification too. You know, like, I mean, when I think of mailing a check, I literally think of like sending it up into like a cloud and hoping that it makes it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because so much could happen. Like my mail guy could mess up. It could mess up between here and there. Their mail guy could mess up. They could not get it. They could think it's junk mail and throw it away. They could lie and say, oh my God, uh, we did get it, but we didn't process it. Or just say we didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like that happens. So yeah, electronic, and then you don't even have to think about it, set up all your minimums, and then you will never get a late pay if you do it like that. That combined with monitoring your credit score on a monthly basis, you will never get to a 30 day. You might see that something's late by 10 days, but you're gonna catch it, you're gonna pay it, and then it won't be an issue, right? Uh, The other thing is credit cards. People mess up with their credit cards so much. Not only not having them, you you need to have them. It's rules to a game, like I was saying, and if, if you think you're, 
shortcutting the game by not having them, you're, you're not. Uh, so you have them, but then it's how you maintain them. And so many people look at credit cards and they're like, well, how much money do I have? You know, I got well, this in my bank account and then I got another thousand bucks on my credit card. You don't have another thousand dollars. It's not money to spend guys. It's, it's a tool so that if you use it wisely, then you access $400,000 for a home loan. And so people get caught up in a credit card and they use it like money they don't have instead of a tool to access the things that they really do need. And so what we want people to do is get credit cards open, keep them below 50% always. When you go above that 50% threshold, you run the risk of that account hurting you more than even helping you. Um, we want you to keep it below 30% in a perfect world and end all be all would be to maintain a five to 10% balance so that you got the credit scoring algorithm working for you at all times. So those are the two biggest things that I see is something as simple as you make, don't ever get a late payment. It's bad. And then credit cards, get them, have them, use them wisely. We tell people, you know, like you said, it, this is not money for you. It's just a tool to build your credit because the other thing is, is, if you want to make yourself sick, just look at how much money you're going to pay on your debt. If you just make the minimum payment every month on your credit card, it's wild. Like it's terrible. So we say that too. If you don't believe in credit, that's fine, but you've got to play the game and get the credit card, use it, pay it off the next day, pay it off right after whatever, but you've yeah. got to show that you charged it up and then you paid it off. Yeah, I try to get people, the, the, the counterculture to credit, who's like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, yeah. how about this instead? How about be the best at it and win at the game and then you win? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you don't have to not play because you lose in that situation in this world. Unless you got a half million dollars sitting in your bank account that you want to part with and not be liquid anymore, you know, you need to play the credit game. Yep. Um. So I wanted to dive into the, the repair part of it for a couple more questions before that. So, you know, I get people and I think there's misconception. So I get clients that might carry a lot of credit card debt, whether they use it for a business and they pay off or they're, you know, 0% or whatever, and they still maintain a good credit score. So everybody's like, if you're, if you have any debt, you're not going to have any good credit. And I was like, well, it's member, it's how you manage it. Yeah. So I wanted to ask your opinion. I mean, you can still have, hundred thousand dollars of credit cards over get over 10 credit cards and still have an 800 credit score. I think people have this misconception. Like you can't, you know? Yeah. It, it really is all about management. And, and when people are like, when they start saying you have too much credit or if I have too much credit, it's just because then you start to mismanage it. And so it's all about ratios. So whether you have a $5,000 credit line or a $5 million credit line, the 50%, 30%, five to 10% windows still, apply. Um, so it's a level playing field for everybody, you know, and that way. And again, that's why I was saying, you know, somebody who's, it just doesn't matter where you come from or your economic situation, credit score wise, if you maintain that $500 credit card, the same way that that other guy or girl has to maintain a, you know, a $500,000 credit card in terms of ratios and spending habits, then you'll, you'll be good to go. So no, there's no such thing as too much credit as long as you can manage it. And actually, I mean, that's where you're going to get ridiculous credit scores is when you do have multiple accounts really helping you out um, as long as you're making those payments, you know, those, those good solid payments. So I wanted to jump into, um, so I think the conversation a lot of people have is, is they go to get pre-qualified or they pull their credit or a lot of people, it's amazing how so many people are so scared to pull their credit and deal with that. It's a, it's a very insecure thing, you know, and I deal with it in my world. It's like, 
they know it's terrible, but I'm like, but until you address the terrible, it's going to remain terrible. And I don't think they realize that, you know, calling somebody like you, getting on the phone, getting a game plan together, that terrible can get to like good pretty quickly. Um, But I want to talk about like people get the credit. It's not good. Then they're like, I'm going to figure out how to do this on my own. And they, you know, fumble around and waste a bunch of time. And some people I go, look, you know, they might have a collection or two. And I recommend, hey, you can call the collection company. If you can pay it now and give a deletion letter, then do that quickly. And if they say no, then I can try to get on the phone with you. And they say no, like, then you got to call Sam. And I think people need to understand is there is a lot of not so good ethical companies out there to do credit repair. I think they're just about taking money and not being doing honest business. But why should you hire some third party? And why are you guys, you know, where's the benefit, you know? Yeah, great question. Um, so first of all, why should you hire a credit repair company, right? Um, the same reason where if you trusted that company, I would never try to, I, I don't know, fix my sink, right? Because my time and my skill set makes my family more money and makes me happier to be spent somewhere else. That's why you hire a service, right? To have it done correctly and to have it done right quickly. Um, could somebody do their own credit repair? If you knew the ins and outs of the FCRA and the FDCPA laws, you would crush it. If you had the time to do it, you would kill it. If you could stay on top of all your responses, you would do great. If you had the time to call the companies that validate your items and work out settlements and pay for deletions and make sure that you get it in writing to protect yourself, you'll be awesome. If you know all the ins and outs of the credit scoring algorithm, you'll be good to go. More than likely, if you have a 547 credit score, those aren't the, 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 the situations that we're in, right? And so when someone is trying to qualify for a home loan, what I ask them, is this important? Is where you or your family lays their head very important to you? Yes. Is it something that, that should be a top priority to you? Yes. Let's treat it like one, okay? Let's, you keep doing your job 40 hours a week because you're going to need that to qualify for the home loan. And when you come home, you spend time with your family. And in the meantime, you're going to pay me probably between $300 and $700 to fix up your credit, qualify you for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of home loan. And along the way, over 75% of our customers save more money with us through deletions and settlements that we get them than they even spend on us. And then they qualify for a home loan. So it makes a lot of sense all across the board, whether it's you look at it time-wise, money-wise, or end result-wise more than likely you don't have the time and this isn't the situation with the prize that's at the end of the, the, the rainbow here. It's not the situation to experiment and try to get into, to, to, you know, trying out fixing credit for the first time. It's, it's time to get it done. Right. Well, not only is it, you know, potentially having to take a higher rate for your home. It's like the difference between possibly even getting that home or not getting it. Yes. And then the savings too goes beyond, even just your home loan, if you have a really good, yeah, if you have a really good credit score, like you can get, you know, one or 2% financing on a car loan versus if you're in the 500s, if you'll even get a loan, it's like, they're, they're like, okay, I'll give you a loan at 18 or 20 or 22%. And so it's like, you could buy a Honda and have like an $800 a month payment, or you could buy a Honda and have like a $400 (laughs) payment, you know, it's a huge difference. And not only that, but it's probably a different car too, because you yeah. went to get the Honda financing, you saw 
on the TV, but you don't qualify for that. Not only that, but you don't qualify for anything there. They say, go down the street to this place. You can get a nice used Honda with this great 2014 for a similar price, but a 20% interest rate. And then that thing falls apart in a month. And then you owe on it because you didn't, it didn't come, it wasn't new. So it's just such a cycle that keeps people down there. And then you're like, well, why don't you have money to buy a home? Oh, because I bought this used Honda at a bad interest rate. And it's just that perpetual cycle. cycle. You have to do something different. And a lot of time that's just bringing somebody in. It's, it's like, you don't know what you don't know either. You know, when, when, when I wanted to take my health really seriously, I realized that I didn't, you know, I wasn't a professional at that. And so I hired somebody, they told me things I didn't know. And I was like, Oh my God. And it was simple stuff, right? It's it's just the same. It applies to every industry. Yep. Um, totally agree. Um, what, what, if somebody is going on the internet, are they getting referred to a credit repair company? What should they be? What questions should they be asking or what should they be looking for? You know, from getting from that, you know, I'm giving you $500. What should I expect in return? Yeah. First of all, you shouldn't be giving them $500 because they shouldn't charge up front. Charging up front fees is against federal law. As far as I know, and I'm not the judge and jury, but there's not very many companies that truly don't charge up front. Okay. What they'll do is they'll charge a, a setup fee or a paperwork filing fee or whatever. And then they'll say, well, our services are actually uh, sending out the letters for you. And then I asked the client, I'd say, Hey, did you hire a sending out letter services? Is that, is that what you, is that what you hired? And they're like, no, I hired a credit repair company. It's like, right. So it's charged for credit repair when credit repair is done. So we charge on the 30th day of service to avoid any sort of confusion with that. So they can't charge upfront fees. And and by that, they can't charge before they've provided the services to you. So be very clear on what the services are. Um, the other thing to watch out for is just overpromising. When you have that company that's like, guess what? I can get that taken care of. Nobody else can, but I got a special way. Just, just, <laughs> run. just, just run. I mean, they don't, they don't, unless, unless they're saying, listen, I have a true understanding of the FCRA and FDCPA. And what we like to do is dive into the account and find the irregularities. And that way, if it sounds like that, yes. But if they go, Hey, listen, I can get it removed. you know, it's something and it, and it might come off now, but it's going to pop right back on there before closing. So if it sounds too good to be true, if they're over promising, if they're saying we can get this deleted, if the first thing that you hear from them or see from them is a list of all the things that are just no problem to get magically deleted from the credit report and they don't talk about behavior change or what you can do to help yourself or the credit scoring algorithm, those are all red flags. So, you know, usually they'll sort themselves out just right up front. Like, do you charge up front fees? Will we, not really, not until the third day. And then you can just run away there. And, and if not, just pay attention to if it sounds, you know, if it sounds a little too good to be true. So basically, if people are looking for the quick and easy fix on their credit, it's, it's too good to be true. Yeah, it's just not going to be a long term. It's just credit doesn't work like that. Nothing truly works like that. And, and, and guys, you're talking about the difference of somebody will say, how long does your service take and how much does it cost? I'll add it up. And I'll say, we're usually done in three to four months. And you add it up and our average cost is $577 for an individual client. Now you look at the cheap credit repair that only costs 80 bucks a month with a $200 signup fee, right? And that sounds better. But by the time day 30 comes around, you've spent 280. And by the time the, the 12th month comes along because they didn't know what they were doing, you've spent thousands, you know? So it's not cheaper just to pay less 
and longer guys. It's, it's, just, it's called financing. It's not, it's not a good thing to do on every single thing that you do. So, um, <laughs> you give, I think, so let's say somebody, they have, you know, they've got a medical collection, this, they're going to call, um, if you give a, maybe give us a little philosophy on disputing account for themselves, because yeah. if they're going to try it first and then they can't, they're going to be like, okay, got to call you guys. What's some philosophies of to, what to say, not to say, I always say, be polite, don't be rude, don't scream yeah. at them because that's not going to help. But what do you, yeah. what do you guys, any philosophy or tips? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I would say if I got on the phone with somebody and I'm trying to negotiate a collection. First of all, I want to explain uh, to anybody hearing this, if you go out and you pay a collection off, you're going to do what's called updating the date of last activity on a negative account. When you pay collection off, it refreshes that date of last activity and the credit scoring algorithm thinks it's a new collection or for the most part, a new collection and it will drop your credit score. So going and just paying without getting a deletion agreement is not a good thing to do unless it's just, Hey, listen, the underwriter says we can't close until this is paid. And then you expect the score decrease, but you will not see a score increase from paying off a collection. Okay. So what we're talking about is a pay for deletion. When we call collection company up, what I would say is, Hey, listen, I wanted to give you a call. I want to let you know that I know how the credit scoring algorithm works. And what I'm trying to do is improve my credit. I also want to get you paid. You and I both know that when I pay this, it's going to update, it's going to drop the credit score. So here's what I was hoping to do today. I want to get you paid. Okay. And if you're trying for a settlement, you can, at that point, you would be like, I only have a certain amount of money and I want to get you taken care of. But I also understand that I'm, I'm looking out for my credit here. I'm looking for the people that I owe money to that will also agree to do a deletion. Is that something that you guys would be willing to do? They've been asked that question before. You just have to be willing to ask them, right? If they won't play ball. And, and so here's what you're going to get. You're going you're to get them to say, yeah, we do that. That's, that's totally fine. Once you make the payment within 30 days, we would generate, and they're going to have a script. And if they have that in place, they do it guys. Yep. You might need to do a follow-up dispute just to be safe, but it's going to happen. They won't say that and not do it. Here's something that you can do though. You can say, Hey, I know that your calls are, are recorded for, for training purposes and everything and quality. If you're cool with it, I'm going to record on my end too. Even if you just bluff them and you say, I'm recording right now. Now you said that if I pay this item off, it will be deleted from the credit report. My name is Sam Parker. The account number is so-and-so. And what is your name, sir? Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to make the payment right now because if they're, if that's not true, they'll hang up on you right there. If they're super sleazy in this day and age, they've gotten better about it. There's not quite as many of the rogue cowboys out there just doing the sketchiest of the sketchy, but you do still want to protect yourself. Now, if they say, Hey, here's the deal. It's our policy. We will not delete, but you are welcome to make the payment in full, you know, and they're that type of a yeah. company and you, you just move on to the next one, guys. It's just strategy. We say, well, that's, if you have multiple collections, you go, I really appreciate that information at this time. That's just not going to benefit me. And I'm going to circle back to you here in a little bit. And, and they're, and just, just hang up. Like you don't need to talk to them anymore. Um, while you're on that phone with them, you could also say, oh, and by the way, I do want to make sure that you know that I do not want to be contacted by phone only in writing. And then that way you're not going to stir up a hornet's nest where now they're trying to get a hold of you or anything like that. But if they're not willing to do a deletion and you need immediate or, or credit score increases soon, just move on to the next one and, and see what you can get done with them. But unless your lender tells you that has to be paid or else we can't close your money is better spent adding a new credit card, paying down a credit card, you know, doing something like that 
as opposed to paying off your $76 medical collection that's going to unfortunately drop your score by 15 points. So basically, um, yeah, I, I, I sometimes get on the phone, I push back a little bit and say, hey, you know, well, you guys could do this. And so I just realized some of them, it's like, this is company policy. They just do not do it unless there was an error on their end. They just, you can go to the man, I've been to the top, like, nope, we're not doing it. I don't know why, but it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what I'll do, if I'm on the phone with them and they say, they say, uh, we cannot do that. I go, hey, listen, we both know that you can report whatever you want, however you want. I'm not trying to argue with you here. I'm trying to get you paid and I'm trying to make sure that it doesn't hurt the client. Are you sure you can't help? Because otherwise, like we're literally moving on. And no, if there's like, no, absolutely not. Then it's like, <laughs> and their job is to collect the money. <laughs> it's so, exactly. Yeah. It, right. Um, and that's the thing is if they can, they will. If, if, if they're able to do it, these collection people usually get paid on the amount of revenue that they can, you know, collect again. So if they can do a pay for deletion, they're usually pretty upfront about it. Um, if nothing else, when, when, when I get on the phone with clients, I also want them to see like, to drill it through to the client like this, this isn't going to work too. Like you just get so much clarity when you talk to the collection company about if you know what the right things to say, then you get to find out what their stance is on it. And then either they're going to help you or you're going to know exactly how to fight it coming out of that conversation. Yeah. I was going to ask you this. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about laws and being reported this and not reported this. There's, you know, there's a, it's, it's so hard to, was there anything that's like they can't report now or can't affect you? You know, I know there's a lot of talk through like politically and stuff to get rid of some stuff or not report it or. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. If anything, things are going to get harder for the consumer over the summer because FICO 10 is being released, which is going to weigh more heavily on late pays and payment history in the last 24 months. And then it's also going to really ding people for those, uh, uh, like payday loans um, are, are, and, and this is, so typically what you're talking about, I believe is like FICO will come out and they'll say, Hey, listen, we have this new scoring algorithm where medical collections aren't going to be counted against you, or this doesn't hurt you as much. Those are out there. They've been created. The banking industry is not going to adopt them. So in my opinion, it's just PR to say, hey, listen, here at FICO, we want to make these different scoring algorithms available. If your bank wants to use them or not, now it's on them. That, in my opinion, is what okay. is happening. Okay. Okay. So, so there are algorithms out there, but they're not going to be used for any sort of financing, in my opinion, ever. Because again, it's not get an A, keep an A. It's how likely are you to default on me in the next 24 months? And they're going to want to see all that. Um, so if anything, unfortunately, it's probably going to be tightening up over the summer. Wow. Um, if somebody, uh, I think another thing I do have dealt with is somebody got stolen credit, identity stolen. And some, I've seen some, it's just been terrible. Like, you know, stole the credit cards, racked them up. Let's say that did happen to somebody. I know there's like police reports and stuff. Um, if yeah. you can quickly kind of talk about that and how somebody should, has to deal with something like that. Yeah, you have to file a police report. Otherwise, you're like every other person that's lying to the bureaus and saying, oh, I don't know who did this. This isn't mine. Like, <laughs> they're not going to just delete on like, oh, okay, seems like a good dude, right? Like, it doesn't work. Like, I've even had people like send me letters and be like, I am a hardworking man and this is really, and I'm like, I can send this to Experian. They do not care. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, so you got to get a police report so that you're 
even taken seriously. And then we're going to have to individually go to each account and file a fraud report and then also do it through the bureaus. And then that's the way we're going to have to do it. And sometimes it's immediate resolution where that account is deleted because they verified it with Discover or whoever. And sometimes that in, that fraud investigation has to finish because they don't believe you, even though you you did this or even though you filed the proper things, they're sitting on the other side and, and saying, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're late on your credit cards all the time. And then now you're saying that you, you just got stolen. We don't believe you. And so sometimes it's a little bit longer process and we have to let those fraud investigations finish. But as long as we have that police report, we can just continue to follow up right behind it. And a lot of times we will have quick resolution. Cool. What's uh, what would you say, and you, from your point of view, is the biggest misconception of credit reports, credit scores? Um, well, that you don't need it, that you can work around it, that you know, um, basically that you don't have to play by the rules of the game. And then the other one that I always just want to 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 drill into everybody is like this is one of those situations where it truly is a level playing field as long as you as long as your spending behavior, I mean, you're going to get the score you get based on how you treat your bills for the most part. And so I just, I, I try to empower people and let them know like, guys, like grab this thing. Like you can, credit can get you so many places, you know, they're just the just opportunity cost of having good credit. You know, just the other day I had one of my business partners call me up and say, Hey, we got a great opportunity. We could grab this, um, this location. I said, how much do I have to put down? They're like, actually nothing. I just need you on the application with us. And I was like, just, just my credit. And they're like, yeah, you know, but, but that doesn't happen. That's not even a possibility when you have a 610 credit score. So if you just understand the power behind credit and what you can get done once it's there, you know, you can really open a lot of doors for yourself. And then what would you give probably uh, one big piece of advice or tip for like just improving your score, having the best credit, you know, in your opinion? Yeah, I would say just understand the algorithm, the, the, and mostly, honestly, the fact that you just need to have the mix of installment revolving and the tricks with keeping revolving working for you. If you just know those simple things, I get an installment loan, I pay it on time every month. That's all you got to do with your installment loan. And with your credit cards, I get it. I keep it open. I play the game with the ratios. Your credit's going to be awesome. Those two things, get it open, make your payments on time, play the credit card game. Other than that, the, the, the rules of the credit scoring algorithm kind of fall in under that. You don't have to manually address them, you know? Great. And then, so can you kind of walk us through, um, I refer a client to you, kind of the process of what they can expect and, you know, how that works? Yeah. So you'll send them over to us. You'll let us know, hey, Sam, we're trying to go conventional. We need a 680 credit score to do this, right? You'll give us that basic info. We will reach out to the client and we're going to ask them, we're either going to try to call them or we're going to say, hey, when's the best time to talk to you? You're going to reply to us and say, I get off work at 430 Pacific time. Give me a shout. We'll call you. We'll review your credit with you. We'll go through our process. We'll give you three different pricing options, depending on your budget that you can choose from. So Literally, we have it so that anybody, any budget can access our services. At that point, you will be assigned to a dedicated credit coach who is going to handhold you through the entire process. They're going to tell you the items that we've already gone 
factor. They're going to tell you expectations. They're going to tell you the things to be working on. They're going to send you the link to open the credit card that you should open. They're going to follow up with you on day 21 and say, hey, how are these things going? And remind you of the things that you're not doing that you need to get on. And then every 35 days, you're going to have a live review. A, a client can call in, they can talk to us. We're always available. But as you probably know, between the rounds, there's not a whole lot, you know, it's, it's you file the disputes and then you wait 30 days, right? We can bump them up with credit education. We can work on behavior. We can work on settlements and paper deletions in the background, but it's a sprint from the time that somebody gets in with us. If they want to go and go fast, we work with them and we go very quickly. If we get to a point where they say, hey, listen, all I have left is settlements or I need to pay credit cards down, we could pause their service, let them save up money. So we work at their pace, but our goal is in, fix them up, get them back to you guys as quickly as possible so that you guys can move on and they can move into their new house. And then would you say, I know a lot of people, they come to me, they get pre-qualified, they got an issue on the credit, they got to go to you and they're like, I really want to get going. Would you say if you hit it in 30, 60 days, sometimes you guys have some like impact there or is it more of the three to four? Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to have our biggest score increases typically in the first month. So within 30, 35 days, you're going to see usually about 50%, if not more of the points that you're going to get with our service are going to come in that very first month because that's where we get the majority of our deletions and updates um, on the, on the items that are going to pop off of there. After that, you know, we do get deletions into the second and third rounds, but it's not really the strategy that we use because we don't want to wait 90 days before having resolution on an item. So typically after that first round or second round, we're going to be kind of getting the team back together and we're going to be saying, Hey guys, you know, um, this client, you know, wants to move fast. Are we good to switch over to settlements? You know, we'll ask the client, are you ready for this? Or, and if they say, no, you know, I need some more time, we'll do another month of, you know, fact finding and trying to get items removed. But otherwise, we're shifting that thing into full gear and getting them back to the closing table. And what do you think separates like your, because I know you're in the industry been a while, what do, you, what do you think separates you from kind of like competitors? In my opinion, it's intent. I mean, when you, when I look at our business model compared to others, I'm like, what, what are you guys trying to do? Are you, you trying to just get clients in? You're trying to keep clients in as long as possible. I know that a lot of them, you know, talk about their, their book that they've built. And it's like, so that means you've had, you have a lot of clients in for a really long time. Like, congrats. So ours is, ours is the, the repetition model, the volume model of let us do a really good job. And then if we earn it, we want more. Okay. And we will show you that we want to be a partner with you and get people qualified for home loans. And so I think it's just intent. You know, what do we want? We don't ever want to see a client again. We want to get them in. We want to do an amazing job. We want them to change their behaviors. And if they want to refer us two or three people, that's amazing. But I hope to never see one of our clients come back in, you know, ever again. And as soon as I can get them out of my process and I'm not making money on them, that means that I've been that much more successful and they're going to be replaced by one or two other clients that know that we did a great job. One of the things I love just based on what I've heard you say so far is that you are focusing on the behavior. I've never heard another credit repair company even talk about behavior or changing behavior. And secondly, the education piece as well, because I think if you actually take time to educate yourself about anything, you're going to do that much better because you actually took that time. You don't, you don't do good at things. You don't give time and effort to. So by doing that and getting people to take the time and effort, it it's, improves their chances of maintaining a good, healthy score. 
You're exactly right. Nobody wants to be told just do this, right? We always say why or how or what, we, you know, what's the point of doing that? And so when you tell somebody, you got to keep your credit cards paid down and they're like, do what I want with my credit card. <laughs> yeah. And then you say, no, no, no. You know, you're, when you're like, no, 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 listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that when you keep it between five and 10%, what you're doing is showing and you explain it, then they go, oh, okay. So I'm actually revolting by keeping my credit card between five and 10% because they make more money off me when it's over here. It's like, yeah, don't just not do something because somebody tells you to do it. But when you understand, then you can apply. So yeah, that, that is the route we try to go. And then the other thing that we, we focus on is communication, keeping this team together, reminding them that they're not here to get their credit repaired, that they're here to get back to you for a home loan, right? Because nobody wants to do credit repair. Everybody wants to own a home. So we just constantly remind them, I know that this is not the fun part of it, but this is just part of your process to being a homeowner. Yeah. Sam, where's the best place for if somebody wants to find more about your company and you know how to sign up or learn more about you guys? I would highly encourage them to circle back to you guys, first of all, and, and let you make the introduction because there's a lot of times where when people think they have rough credit, you might be like, well, you're being a little hard on yourself. A 686 isn't the best, but I can qualify you right now. If you're not ready for that yet, if you're not ready for the, the, you know, the financing and the mortgage consultation, you can always come to mycreditguy.com, but I want them to reference you because then we're going to keep you updated and we're going to keep that team aspect, whether you're ready to purchase in two months or it's a year plan, we want to keep everybody together so that as the deadlines start coming up, that you're taking the proper steps in the mortgage world as well and that we're not creating another situation where it's like, oh my God, right now we have to do so much crazy stuff for two weeks. You know? Yeah, right. totally. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for the time. I know credit's not the uh, most glamorous, sexy thing to talk about, but I think I always say that. But like Crystal said, when you focus on this, it's always it's very sexy and glamorous to save a lot of money. And I know people appreciate that and they want to talk about that. So I think you know you got to do this first and put the time and effort in to get the good credit, so you can reap the benefits of you know mortgages and credit cards and all the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. It, crunches aren't sexy, but abs are. <laughs> you got to do the work to get the thing. So that's, we're just the work and we'll help you through it. So I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. I love it that you're educating clients about this where so many people are, are just pushing them to the wayside or telling them to circle back when they're ready. So kudos to you guys. Cool. Well, thanks, hey, appreciate man. the time. Have a good day. And uh, we look forward to working together. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.